And thank you again for inviting me. And do you know, at my own two churches, they're getting used to me now. And so when I start to preach, I very often speak directly from some of the detail of the Bible readings we've just taken. So I, I, sort of, I say, you may like to keep a finger in each passage, and then I get this embarrassed, a few people pick up their Bible again, having already closed it. Uh, and, and, and I like to do that because I, I, as I am led, and it's only one individual, and it's nothing to do with what they taught us at Northern College, but most of my preaching comes directly out of actually getting into the passages we've read. Uh, and, and other people were, will have different ways. I mean, they taught us all sorts of techniques at, at Northern College uh, of different ways you can structure a sermon. And, you know, I've forgotten it all. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and um, so the two passages we've looked at, well, two and a bit, and I took a section from chapter one of 1 Corinthians and a section from chapter two. Uh, I have a bookmark in each. But you remember, let's go back to John for a minute and recall that this is set in the context of the Last Supper. So where we finished with Jesus saying, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He's saying that in the context of knowing he himself is about to be put, betrayed, tried, and executed in the most horrific form human wisdom has ever managed to create. But his concern is more for his friends he leaves behind them for himself. So he's saying to them, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And, and he's explaining about the coming of the Holy Spirit. You can look forward to this, he says. In fact, you already know him. He's already with you, but he will be in you. And if we... we I didn't choose to have Matthew chapter 28, the last bit read out, but it's that passage we call the Great Commission that most of you will probably know by heart. That Jesus gathered his disciples and, and, and just before his ascension uh, and, and gave them this commission to go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And that whole sense of what a big thing that is, we could ask ourselves the question, well, how can we possibly do this? How can we fulfill the Great Commission? And it is only by being equipped by God's Holy Spirit to do so that there is any possibility, isn't it? And it fits in with what Paul was saying to the Corinthians, I came to you in weakness. I mean, it's, it's really quite startling when you think about it, that history has come to see the Apostle Paul as possibly, well, as far as we know, the most effective of the first wave of Christian missionaries. 
And yet he says, but I have no eloquence. And I can't, couldn't speak to you with wise words. And I couldn't put it well. But I instead, my preaching was accompanied by a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. And isn't that important? Now, Keith, I don't know if you've latched on at all to the, the Facebook group called the URC Ministers, what is it, Ministers Page or something, that ministers are, only ministers are allowed, and ministers post on it. And, and Paul Stokes posted this week a, a, a recollection, a historically accurate detail, I won't get it all, of an individual who'd been a, a drug addict who then came to faith in Christ and was miraculously cured of the addiction and started going to a church and after a little while was saying to the leadership team of the church, when do we do the stuff? And this chap had read in the Gospels and in the Acts and in Paul's letters about miraculous healing and other things that was normal in the ministry of Jesus, and Jesus was saying, and I'll equip you with the Holy Spirit to do the same, and Paul was writing about it, and it was normal in the ministry of the apostles, and yet he was saying after a few occasions in church, he hadn't seen any of this, when do we do it? And he found he was in a church that didn't recognise the possibility even that this sort of stuff could still happen today. And so, so he ended up with, with, with the response saying, well, I've given up drugs for this. Why have I given up drugs for this if the stuff isn't happening? And when we are discouraged, as we sometimes are, you know, we live in a society where probably the vast majority of people either don't believe God is... It, real at all, or don't believe God is relevant. And, and we live in churches where we sometimes wonder, are we only at one end of the age scale, or more or less? Or are people still recognising the relevance of Jesus Christ in life today? And it seems not. We mentioned that the principle, the whole basis of Romans 111 trust is mutual encouragement. And, and we should stop and receive a little bit of mutual encouragement, not just from Africa, but worldwide. Our situation in the UK and in the West as a whole is not typical. And do you know that the statistics say there are more Christians in the world today than there have ever been? So God is still at work, obviously. And, and when, when I travel to Uganda, I get a glimpse of a different mindset, a greater readiness to expect the demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power to accompany the preaching of the gospel. And like us, they don't always get what they hope for. We pray for people. And sometimes they are healed. But other times they seem not to be, or not in the way we had hoped. And I want to remind you that Paul in this was emphasizing the significance of the cross. As we said, Jesus was aware of that 
when he was telling his followers, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Wasn't he? And then Paul's saying that the cross is foolishness to the Greeks and a stumbling block to the Jews. And and in that context, bearing in mind the way of things, how they were, in the society that he knew, the word Greek would mean wise people. It wouldn't just mean people who are ethnically Greek. It would mean educated people and wise people. The centre of learning was associated with the heritage of the Greeks. And he's saying, but those people, they just want wisdom worked out in your head. And the Jews want miraculous signs, which he was well aware he he wanted as well. That's what he means when he says the demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. But the foolishness of the cross was God's weakness and God's foolishness that he puts us beyond human wisdom and human strength. And that God should choose to give himself so that sin is dealt with. It does sound like foolishness. And people today don't really want to accept it. They say, I've got to earn my own place with God. I remember this was... When I was a new Christian at Sixth Form College... This was the attitude of the boys in particular, more so than the girls. Why should I accept that Jesus died for me? I'll earn my own way to heaven or my place with God. I'll stand and fall by my own efforts. And the pressure, the the peer pressure on the boys, and it's probably even worse today on the youngsters, to stand on their own two feet and and plough their own furrow, as we say, and make their own way in the world and establish themselves and stand or fall by their own skills, efforts, and so on. That pressure is enormous on people. And yet, counter to human wisdom, the gospel is saying, just acknowledge that you can't live God's way. And you need a saviour. And then, you, you see... Paul is reminding us that the wise people find that foolish. Those religious people who the Jews primarily represent, they find it a stumbling block because they thought God would proclaim his power in a different way. But we're serving a saviour who knew that our own efforts would never lead to us keeping the law and living a godly standard. So his own solution was to give himself as that perfect sacrifice that deals with all human sin. And all we have to do is accept that as a free gift to know eternal life. Wow. And however much we know this in our heads... And Keith's introduction about Northern College gave us a bit of a clue uh, that probably most of you do, maybe all of you do. I, I think we need to know it not only in our heads but in our hearts. And that's the backdrop to be ready, to be open 
for the equipping of the Holy Spirit to enable us to fulfill the Great Commission. I really think that's true, don't you? I see it across this country, and I see it in Uganda. And that mutual encouragement that Romans 111 is all about feeds into this. So does the, the other sort of parachurch ministry I'm involved with. I'm involved with something called the Dunamis Project, which is training and equipping for church leaders and anyone in any kind of leadership position within church to be empowered by God, the Holy Spirit. Jesus always intended that his church would continue impacting people for the better, not only in the ways of thought-through understanding of the gospel that in a way is represented by the foolishness and the wisdom argument that Paul brings out here, but also in that demonstration of the Spirit's power. There was one time when I was preaching at a church in uh, it's a place called Chiroba uh, in the Uganga district of Uganda. You've heard the expression church without walls. Well, this is literally church without walls because there's a few poles and an attempt at a roof. And, and, and preaching in a church like that is wonderful because passers-by see in and even can be drawn in and evangelists can go out and meet them and, and, and speak to them and, and so on. But there I preached something along the lines of the need to be equipped by God's Holy Spirit so as we can fulfill the Great Commission. And, and, and this was very early in my experience of Uganda, and so I hadn't quite grasped their culture. And I'm used to, if we make some kind of appeal, like the old-fashioned uh, altar call, come and give your life to Jesus, or some sort of appeal, come and be prayed for, to be equipped by the Holy Spirit. Those who want to come to the front to receive prayer with laying on of hands, I'm used to the fact that if we do that in the UK, you might get someone respond, or you might not. If you get two or three, that's a major thing. So when I gave such an invitation in Chiroba, and the whole church surged forward as one to receive prayer, <laughs> that's a mutual encouragement. And that day, we, we ended up, the pastor and I and the ministry team, we ended up praying for people to receive gifting as intercessors. We ended up praying for people to receive gifting as, uh, as evangelists. And, and the, the, when we finished praying for everyone and laying on hands, the, the, then the worship resumed even more enthusiastic and flamboyant than before. And passers-by noticed and some of them came in and some of the newly anointed evangelists went out to engage with them and some of the newly commissioned intercessors got into prayer groups to support it this was a Saturday afternoon and there were four new Christians in the church the following morning as a result and that's a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power too isn't it now I'm hoping that many of you will be able to stay to hear my talk about the work of Romans 111 Trust. But even if you can't, it's been a privilege to come here as your preacher today. 
Do you have a practice, Keith, that if people want to receive prayer ministry, do you do it quietly or, or what? What do you do here? As you feel led with um, elders, they either come to the elders that wear a blue badge or we can do it either here at the front or... Let's just say, let's be British about this. Actually, I must just tell you one anecdote. The first time I travelled to Uganda, it was my overseas placement during the training arranged by Northern College. Well, it wasn't arranged by them because they offered a trip actually to India that year, which by its nature was one of observing, not doing. And, and I've done the research and I know my learning style is what they call activist that you learn by doing. And I found college a real struggle. I'm dyslexic, and, and the, 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 the intellectual study was, and the reading was so hard. Some of the theological books, Ruth read them to me, read them and summarized them to me so that I could get something to put in my essays. And, and um, I, I found, when I, when I traveled to Uganda the first time, uh, I, I approached John Hall, who was then leading Romans 111 Trust, and asked him for a placement there because I knew I could do something where I'm involved rather than only observing. And, and uh, I, I think I had nearly four weeks in, in Uganda, and they got me seven preaching engagements. And, of course, they preach with interpreters because although a lot of people speak English, it's the official language, having been a British colony all those years ago, they actually speak about 70 different languages in Uganda. And, and so they're tribal languages and local languages and, and so on. And a lot of people do speak English, but a lot don't. So wherever you go, there's an interpreter into whichever is the local language. So I would speak in English, and they give it in their language. And I got to learn very quickly that saying something very brief and letting it go, rather than a long bit to be interpreted works best. And, and, and I also got to learn a cultural difference. You see, in the UK, when I'm preaching, if somebody thinks I've made a good point, they react to it. I sometimes see it. The reaction is a bit like this. <laughs> Do you know, in Uganda, the way they react is they shout hallelujah, they clap, and they, they show their enthusiasm. And, of course, what happens with an interpreter is I speak in English, and the ones who, who understand English, they react straight away. Then the interpreter gives it in their language, and they get a second round. And, and it is the most affirming experience for a preacher, I can tell you. So thank you for having me as your preacher today. I'm going to suggest that during the final hymn, if... Any who want to, so perhaps just sort of go to the side and the prayer team are there. If there's something that struck you and you want to receive prayer, you don't have to do it in front of everyone like the Ugandans would. You don't have to queue and, and besiege the stage like the Ugandans would. But you can do it gently with your prayer elders uh, somewhere over here while we're having the final hymn. Does that sound all right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for our worship time, for this, re these readings from your word and what I trust and pray 
you've encouraged me by your Holy Spirit to bring to the church today. And I pray for each one of us, Lord, that something in it that's helpful will be retained. And anything I've said that's unhelpful, let it be lost. But Lord, we pray that we will know more of that equipping of your Holy Spirit and that demonstration of the Spirit's power. Amen.